You were listening to a message from The Exchange in Pearl, Mississippi. To find out more about The Exchange, go to www.theexchange.cc. Well, today we're in part four of a five-part series called Relation Trips. Relation Trips, we're talking about the things in our relationships that can trip us up, the dangers that can cause tension and turmoil inside of the relationships in our life. And we're not just talking about the dating or marriage relationships that some of you are a part of, but we're talking about relationships on every level, whether it's a friendship relationship, coworker, marriage, dating, parent-child relationships, social media friends. We are all in relationships on some level, and so we're learning to do relationships God's way. Because if you were honest today, a lot of us would have to say that the greatest source of tension, of turmoil, of stress, of anxiety uh, in our lives for many of us is the relationships. Like you probably thought this week, man, if I could just get along with my spouse better, if I could figure out my parents more or my kids, if I could manage that thing going on at my workplace with my boss or that coworker, man, life would be so much better. And so in this series, we're realizing that it can be better, that there is a design for the relationships in our life, but it comes from the creator of all relationships, who is God. So we're diving into his word to let his word lay out truth and encouragement for our lives. So if you have a copy of scripture today, I would love for you to open up to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2 is where we're going to be um, today in our time together. We'll also put the verses on the screen there as you join us in our online gathering from wherever you may be. Uh, First few parts of our series, if you've missed it, we laid the foundation with love in the first week. The second week, we said, man, conflict can happen, so how can we have peace and unity in our relationships? So we talked about the characteristic of unity. Last week, man, it got weighty as we dove into the topic of purity, of how do we live in purity um, in our relationships, that it is possible. So if you miss any one of those uh, first three parts of our relationship series, you can go back to our website, catch the video or the podcast or all of our different social media channels. Today, we're going to add a fourth part to our five-part series. And today in our relationships, we're going to talk about the characteristic of humility, of humility. And so today, as we dive into Philippians chapter 2, we're going to do it very much like we've done over the last few weeks, where we've talked about the dangers in our relationships, and then we've also looked at the design, okay? So as, if you've missed any part of it, just to kind of help you understand where we're headed today, the dangers are when we do relationships our way, okay? That's when it can begin to trip us up. It may work for a little while, but we're going to ultimately find that it's going to be a dead end to our relationships. That's where the, the tension, the turmoil comes from is the danger. So we're going to identify two of those today. And then that will ultimately lead us to God's design for our relationships. How do we do it his way according to his truth? And so I want to read from Philippians chapter 2 today to kind of begin to set us up uh, and open up the dangers that are in our relationships. Paul writes this in Philippians chapter 2. He says, therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit, one in mind, and do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. We're going to stop right there. As I said, there are going to be two different dangers that I want us to identify that can creep into our relationships in this area of humility, okay? And so for all my note takers at home today, the first characteristic of our relationships when done in our power, our knowledge, is that our relationships can become me-centered. Our relationships can become me-centered. 
Can we all agree that we live in a society today that is incredibly self-centered? We live in an incredibly self-centered society. But here's the deal. It's not like it just started over the last decade. It's not that it came in with the social media wave, but it's actually all the way from the beginning of time. If you look back in your Bible to the very beginning, God creates from nothing. He creates Adam and Eve, the first man, the first woman. Literally, there was nothing. He creates them from the dust, breathes life into them. Boom, humanity is there. God makes them from nothing. And then what happens like one page later in your Bible, right? The serpent comes to them and says, hey, if you'll eat of this fruit, you can be like God. And from moment one in humanity, we realize that Adam and Eve weren't good enough. They weren't settled enough by just being the created, but they wanted to be like the creator. They wanted to be like God. And from the beginning of time, humanity showed that we want to do it our way. We want to be number one. Thousands of years later, from the Garden of Eden, not a whole lot has really changed. We continue to live in the center of a me-centered society and culture, and it makes its way into our relationships and causes great tension and turmoil, and it puts us in great danger. In fact, the great theologian Toby Keith wrote these lyrics. I want to talk about... Me, I want to talk about I, I want to talk about number one, oh my, me, my, what I think, what I like, what I know, what I want, what I see. I like talking about you, 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 you occasionally, all right, or usually, but occasionally I want to talk about, yep, you've heard that song as well. I want to talk about me. How true were Toby Keith's lyrics that we are a people who want to talk about me? Can I make it just a little more about myself? This me-centered perspective then raises its head inside of our marriages, in our relationships with parents and children, in our relationships at work, in our friend circles. We have this distorted perspective that we're supposed to be on top. So we put other people down in our mind. We put other people down with our words. We go first We choose the best for ourselves and leave the leftovers for somebody else. We take the prominent spot before somebody else gets a chance to take it because we can believe it's about us. You see, the danger, the distorted perspective that we can begin to buy in in this area of humility in our relationships is that we can live from a very me-centered perspective. Okay, There's a second danger in our relationships, and that is that we can live in the dangerous place of becoming self-serving. We can live in the dangerous place of becoming self-serving. See, this characteristic can easily be connected, traced back to where we started today, that when we are me-centered, then we live life believing that everyone and everything should serve us. And we can fall into that danger. We can trip into that danger of becoming self-serving. And we live in a world that caters to this self-serving mindset, don't we? Right Now we have drive through so you don't have to go into the restaurant. You can buy the groceries online. We can go to the automatic car wash so you don't have to stand in the driveway and get a sunburn. Okay, We've got the remote control so you don't have to get up to change the channel. Some of y'all remember that. You remember when you were the remote control, right? You had to get up to change the channel. There wasn't but three of them, and you had to change them, and then you had to adjust the tenfold just to get the antenna right. Somebody with me, all right? This week, let me blow your mind for just a moment. Uh, This weekend, we had the chance to move in my 18-year-old daughter. We moved her off to college. 
And in the process of kind of packing all of the things to go in her dorm room, we asked the question, well, would you love to have a TV in your dorm room? We need to pack up a TV, right? And her response was, well, what would I do with it? Okay, now before you think that she was thinking she was going to have nonstop studying, okay, that wasn't what she was saying. What she was saying is that she said, I don't know when I would watch it. What would its purpose be? Because if I'm watching something, I'm streaming it on my computer, or if I'm reading or watching something else, it's happening on my phone. All right, some of you, your mind is bold. We're living in times are changing. People, when college students don't even want a TV anymore. Now listen to me, I'm not saying that I'm against us being an efficient society. I enjoy those luxuries myself, but what I'm saying is that we live in a world that is only catering more to this self-serving, this self-benefit mindset that started all the way back in the Garden of Eden. And the danger is that we can trickle that down into our relationships where we become very self-serving. And unfortunately, it's carried over into the office or into the classroom, or into your marriage, or into the relationship with your kids, or how you demonstrate yourself through social media, is this self-serving mindset. Now, I know none of you have ever been this person, but maybe you've seen somebody who has made a complete fool of themselves in a restaurant, in the line at the grocery store, or Walmart, because a waiter or waitress or a clerk didn't deliver what they wanted, how they wanted it, and when they wanted it, because they wanted to be served how they wanted. You see, Scripture is really clear about this danger of self-serving. In fact, there's some verses I want us to look at from James chapter 4, verse 1. Look at what Scripture says. It says, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Some of you, that's your relationship, all right? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire, but you do not have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You see, the reality is, church, we all live with that internal battle of our sinful flesh that longs to please and serve ourselves. And it creates a whole lot of dangerous places in our relationships, in your marriage, in your family, at your workplace. You see, when we live in our relationships according to our desires, we can find ourselves tripping up because we become me-centered. We live in this idea of self-serving. And if you were honest today, you'd have to be honest enough to say that maybe that describes a relationship or multiple relationships in your life because you've fallen into that dangerous spot. And so today there's turmoil, there's division There's bitterness, unforgiveness in relationships because humility is not present. But today, God gives us his design. As we see and trip into the dangers, we realize our our deep need for God the creator's design in our life. You see, the church in Philippi suffered from this same battle of the me-centered, the self-serving. And so Paul wrote to them some truth, some encouragement to push them on, to challenge them in the area of humility. And so today, in our final few minutes, I want that truth from Philippians 2 to, to push into us. You, sir, in your marriage, for you as a teenager, in your relationship with your parents, today would this encourage you? Here's what Paul writes, Philippians chapter 2, starting in verse 3. It says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. But rather in humility, 
value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to see two different characteristics of God's design for your marriage, for your workplace, for your friendship. We'll see Paul's instructions to us, and then we'll see the example of Jesus. But let me say this, before we see God's design, we have to experience and live in God's design. Just like we've said every single week of this series, you're not going to choose humility on your own. It only comes from relationship with God. Not playing church, not joining online when it works out and the weekend's free, but living in a daily surrendered, obedient relationship to Jesus. And when he fills you, when he satisfies you, when he becomes your number one and you're no longer your number one, then you begin to realize it's God's design that is the only thing that works for my life. And you can begin to live and walk that out. And so today, as we understand God's design, I want us to realize it first starts with that foundation of life in Him. Okay, but here's the first characteristic of relationship done under God's design, is that it becomes others-centered. Okay, it becomes others-centered. Not me-centered, but others-centered. Paul said back in verse 3, he said, value others above yourselves. That's the complete contrast to that me-centered perspective that our flesh leans into. Paul's not saying to take an unrealistic view of life. He's not saying that everybody becomes better than you. But his point is that we should view others as just as much worthy of consideration as we give ourselves. I've heard it said that humility is not thinking less of yourself, but it's thinking of yourself less. I'm going to say that again for somebody at home. Humility is not thinking less of yourself, but it's simply learning to think of yourself less as we become others-centered by the example of Christ in our life. I think we can all agree we don't live in a world, we don't live in a culture that caters to an others-centered perspective, which is why today we're using God's instruction manual, not the instruction manual of the world not what our friend said on Facebook, but we're using God's truth as that foundation to help us think and live in God's design of others-centered. You see, Jesus that Paul writes about in Philippians 2, Jesus who was God, did not use his equality with God to his own advantage. See, it wasn't just that Jesus was trying to achieve achieve equality with God. He had it. That's who he was. That was his inheritance. That was his DNA. But Scripture says he chose not to cling to it that he literally altered, he submitted, he surrendered his behavior so that he could demonstrate the example of humility. And Scripture says, do the same in your relationships. In fact, Paul would write this in Romans chapter 12, verse 10. He says, be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Paul says, when you are genuinely devoted to one another in love, you will, the result of that, the effect of that, is that you will honor others above yourself. This means that we will consider the needs of our spouse before we consider our own needs. Y'all may not need that kind of preaching, but I do. It means that in your parent-child relationships, you will learn to value your parent, your child, above yourself. It means that you will view every coworker, every boss at your job as equally as important as you. It means that you'll see the kids on your team, 
the other students in your classroom, no matter how difficult they may be to connect with, that you will value them along with yourself. It means that for those relationships with your in-laws or your extended family that you still may not even agree with, that you would choose to value them as Paul says that Jesus did. Let me say something real quick today to our students, to our kids, junior high, high school, elementary kids joining us as a part of our family today. God gives some very instructions, uh, very clear instructions to you in his word about how you're to walk in humility and valuing in your relationships with your parents, those people who are over your life. Let me give you a couple of verses, and I'll give you a charge today. So kids, lean in. All right, this is for you in this moment. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1 says, children... Obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. And then God gives a promise. He says, honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise. We read later in the New Testament, students, 1 Peter 5, verse 5, in the same way, you who are younger, submit yourselves to your elders. I ain't calling your parents old, but they are older than you. And scripture says, all of you clothe yourselves with what? With humility toward one another with humility toward one another. Students and kids, listen to me. God tells you to humble yourself, to submit yourself to the parents or guardians that God has put into your life. God has put overseers in your life, parents, guardians, to keep you safe and to keep you straight on the path that God has laid out for your life. Your role today in honor is to submit and to obey, to submit and to obey, to submit and to obey without question, all right, unless you feel like they're pointing you in a direction that's not in alignment with God's word, all right, then you can come see me. But apart from that, your role, high school student, college student, is that you would submit and obey in honor to the parent that's put over you. That means that you Submit, obey. You do what you're asked told and told to do when you're told to do it without question. It means that you speak honoring of your parents in front of them and behind their back. It means that you would continually be thankful, be grateful for the parents, the guardians, the overseers that God's put in your life who are there to protect you, provide for you, keep you safe, and to help you grow up. That you would honor them by submitting and obey, that there would be humility in your spirit. Now listen to me, parents, before you amen too loud, you know the best way to teach your kids how to do that is to model it at your office, in your marriage, in your friendships, and what you put on your social media channel, because they're watching, they're reading. And Jesus says, if we're going to Live with the humility that he's designed us for, his design for our relationships, that it would start with that others-centered perspective. One commentator said it this way, if I consider you above me and you consider me above you, then a marvelous thing happens. We have a community where everyone is looked up to and no one is looked down on. I think that very closely describes God's picture of the kingdom that he designed, that he created. You see, when we're living in his design, we live with this others-centered perspective, completely contrary to that me-centered life that our flesh leans into. 
But there's one last part of God's design. Let's go back to Philippians chapter 2. Pick up verse 5. It says it this way. In your relationships, there we are, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. What was his mindset? Well, who being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, here's what he did. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human Likeness. Here's our second characteristic. God's design for your relationships and mine is that it would take on the idea of serving others. Okay, that we would not be self-serving, but that we would be others-centered. Therefore, we begin to live out a life that serves others. See, the danger side of that asks the question, how will you serve me? God's design changes the question to how can I serve you? See, a lot of you have lived with that mindset of, how are you going to serve me? And God says, no, no, no. Today, when we take the spirit of humility, not the danger, but the design, then we begin to ask the question, how can I serve you? Again, hear me. It's not that Paul's saying it's wrong to care for yourself, but he's saying to push us to understand to not only care for ourselves, but to take on the attitude of a servant, because being a servant is not the default of most of our fleshes. That's why Paul points to Jesus. He says, take his example, not even mine. Verse 7 said this about Jesus, that he made himself nothing by coming to earth as a man and making himself a servant to all. Don't miss this. Jesus emptying himself by exchanging the prominent position of heaven to take on the lowly position of humanity, of coming to earth. And although Jesus never stopped being God, he willingly became a servant. He willingly became a servant all the way to a cross. So what does it look like for you to become a servant in your relationships, to become others serving? You see, I think we could, we could say, well, I'm a helper. But there's a big difference today in a helper and a servant. I want to kind of paint that picture for a moment and for you to identify where are you? Are you living as just a helper or are you living as a servant? You see, a helper helps others when the circumstances are convenient. A servant serves others even when the circumstances aren't as convenient. A helper helps people that they like and they enjoy, they connect with. A servant, on the other hand, serves even people they might not fully get along with. Chances are you got some of those people in your life. A helper helps people when they enjoy the work. A servant serves even when they may not fully enjoy the task. And a helper helps with a view of gaining personal satisfaction. How's it going to benefit me? But a servant serves even when they receive no satisfaction. You see, Jesus' church did not model the example of a helper, but he modeled the power of being a servant. So what does that mean for you today? Husbands, dads, maybe for you that means that when you get home from your long day at your tiring job, that you don't first look for a place to sit down and have some you time, but you walk into the kitchen, the living room, and you say to your spouse, to your kids, dad's home, how can I help? Maybe for some parents today, that means that you need to put the phone down. You need to turn off the TV. You need to cancel that extra appointment or meeting so that you could look at your kids to say, I'm present. How can I help? For some kids, for some students today, 
Some of you, that means that you need to stop just watching your parents wash the clothes, fix the food, wash the dishes, but you need to become a participator in your house, that you would become a servant in your own household. For some of you who are working in the office on the job site, it means that you no longer try to skirt around the work that nobody else wants to do, but that you jump in to say, I'm a part of the team. I want to demonstrate the attitude, the mindset of a servant in humility that I would value others and I would live with a self, not a self-serving mindset, but a others-serving opportunity. See, it's amazing how the power of a humble servant spirit, how can it transform our relationships? But can I tell you something today? Humility starts with me. Me. It starts with you. Humility starts with us. I can think of no greater role probably in our culture, in our society that demonstrates the power of serving others than that of a mom. Probably the two most sacrificial people I know in my life are my mom and my wife. And for years, decades, I've watched them sacrifice, do without so that they might serve their kids, their family, walk in humility so that others might be served and impacted. And listen to me, while we will forever be indebted to our moms and the blessings that they are in so many of our lives, there is one servant that we get our true example from, and his name is Jesus. And Paul gives us one last verse that gives us a snapshot into the picture, the humility of Christ who lays out the design for us today. Don't miss this verse from Philippians chapter 2, verse 8. Here's what Paul says. And being found in appearance as a man, he, Jesus, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Don't miss this mindset. You see, during this time, crucifixion was the lowest form of punishment that someone could endure. It was the worst way to die. Nobody wanted to die this way. But it says that Jesus left the height, the highest place of prominence of being like God, with God, of being God, to take on the lowest place of the cross to demonstrate the power of humility. And oh, or aren't we glad that on the way to the cross, Jesus didn't play the card that he was more valuable and he was more important than us, because he could have. Aren't we glad that on the way to the cross, Jesus didn't stop and go, wait, these people should be serving me. I'm the son of God. But he could have. Now, scripture says that Jesus obediently, willingly humbled himself to take the lowest place from heaven to the cross so that you and I might have life. And he says, that's my design for your relationships, that you would model that level of humility to do relationships my way. You see, church family, humility is possible in our relationships. It's possible, but humility starts with me, it starts with you. As a husband today, as a junior high or high school student, as a coworker, as a boss at your organization, in your friend group, humility starts with me, starts with you. You see, throughout this series, our goal has been to equip you to live it out, 
Not to be hearers, but to be doers of the word. We want to be a people, a spiritual community, a spiritual house that's not just gaining information, but that our lives are being transformed to live this out. And so today, just like every other week in this series, we've set up a a resource page for you to take next steps, for you to learn a little more, and then things for you to do. And so right now, I'm going to ask you to take note of this, take a screenshot, or begin to take this action by simply texting the word relationships to 601 397 6111. If you'll just text the word relationships, it's going to kick you back one text that will link you to a page for some things for you to read this week in your time with Jesus. Some things for you to pray, because we think that's a part of living in Christ centered humility. And finally, there'll be some things for you to do, for you to walk out in your marriage, at your workplace, at your school tomorrow that we would be people who are transformed by humility that then transforms the relationships in our life. And so today, if you want to know a little more, if you want to lean in a little more obediently, would you just right now or as soon as our gathering is done, just text the word relationships. And we'd love to connect you with how you can take next steps. For some of you today, as you hear about the sacrifice of Jesus, the humility of Jesus, that he came from the highest place to the lowest place for you, and for me, then that connects with you in a way that you needed today because you've longed to know that you, you were loved. You felt the guilt, the shame of decisions and mistakes in your life. And today you hear that a humble God who had all power and authority left everything so that he could come after you. And so today, maybe you've got questions about how do you know that God? How do you know not his design just for your relationships, but how do you know his design for your life? And the reality is you, you're not too far gone for him to pursue you and for him to redeem the broken things in your life for you to know him more intimately. And so today, if that's you, and maybe you've just got spiritual questions about, man, what can you do to know Jesus, to follow him, not to play church, but to really follow him. If that's you, would you simply just text your name? You can text your name to the number that you're seeing there in our stream, 601-397-6111. And that'll simply te- connect you with our ministry team who's available right now to pray for you, to encourage you, simply through a text message. We would love to serve you and bless you in that way. But man, my prayer is that we would be a people, right? We would be a people who live with that Christ-centered, others-centered perspective, humbly in our relationships. And it would begin to change our homes, our marriages, our workplaces, and ultimately our community. Thanks for listening to this message from The Exchange. If you would like to talk to someone about your faith journey, you can contact us through our website, www.theexchange.cc, or by calling or texting 601-397-6111. Now let's go be the church.